So the Big 12 caps off a perfect 10-0 week, but how good was it really? I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of it. Can't thank you enough for that. So before we get to all the good stuff, please do uh, leave us a rating, review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, however you get your podcasts. Appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. This thing's grown exponentially because of you. And if you leave that rating and review, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. We're sending them out every single week. Thanks so much, guys. All right, so here's the deal. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are thumping their chest uh, about the Big 12 going 10-0. and I had people sending me notes all day Sunday, or I guess that would have been Monday because OU played on Sunday night, um, and saying, rah-rah, Big 12, 10-0. I'm Mr. Big 12, and by that I mean I'm a Big 12 homer, right? I mean, I try to find every good in whatever the Big 12 is doing. And I usually do. And I'm happy to. Because God knows we get enough of that crap out of the SEC with Paul Feinbaum and ESPN and everybody else. I mean, we get enough of that elsewhere. We don't want more of it. We don't need more of that bias. But I'm sorry, guys. Can we pump the brakes on 10-0? and 0? when seven of the wins were over FCS opponents. Like, I want to and always do go rah-rah, go Big 12. But when you're beating up on Arkansas Pine Bluff and Nichols and Stephen F. Austin and Montana State, like, let's back off here, okay? I mean, a win's a win, and we recapped all this in our week one uh, recap show that aired a couple of days ago, so we're not going to relitigate the whole thing. But I'm just saying, like, great Go Big 12. I am pulling for every team to win its non-conference games. I'm pulling for every team to win every game, but of course that's not possible once you get the conference play. Uh, but I want to see every Big 12 team go 3-0 and in non-conference play. It's not going to happen. And here's the deal, and we'll get to these games more later in the show, but you have two Power 5 opponents this weekend in the Big 12. You have, uh, of course, Texas LSU, the game of the week in college football, and you have West Virginia, Missouri. The Big 12 is underdogs in both those games. So it's possible after two weeks, the Big 12 could be one and two against Power 5 opponents because the one Power 5 win this conference has right now is Oklahoma State against Oregon State, which is really not a good win. Um, And, you know, West Virginia, I have a lot of concerns about both sides of the line going into Mizzou this weekend. And Texas is a really good team. (laughs) So is LSU. And they're a four-point favorite in Austin. It's a really difficult game to try to figure out. We will do that later. But I'm just saying that the Big 12 is 1-2 and two against Power 5 opponents here over the next, um, you know, after this weekend. That changes the narrative. And then going into next week, you've got a ton of Power 5 games for the conference. Look at the schedule. You've got Kansas at Boston College on Friday. You've got uh, K-State at Mississippi State. West Virginia hosting NC State. You got Cyhawk, Iowa, Iowa State. TCU's at Purdue. OU is at UCLA. Texas Tech is on the road against Arizona. I, you know, what is that? Six Power Five games right there, and the Big 12 might be favored in a couple of them. They'll probably be underdogs. They will be underdogs, KU at Boston College. Mississippi State, K State will be a toss up. Maybe a field goal for the home team, which is uh, Mississippi State. 
WVU, honestly, they're probably a dog at home against NC State. Iowa State, based on how they played in week one, maybe a a field goal dog there. TCU on the road against Purdue, you know, that could be a pick game. OU will be a big favorite at UCLA. And, you know, Texas Tech, Arizona, maybe a toss-up. My point is this. We should not overreact to week one either way. All right? We should not do it. I want to see this conference play itself out the next couple of weeks, and I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit concerned. My fear is that the gap between OU and Texas is a, and then the rest of the conference is as big as some people thought it was. I happen to think it wasn't as big. I thought this was the year that OU was not going to come back to the pack. I mean, I still thought they were the favorites and would win the Big 12, but I thought... Um, new quarterback. Now I should never question Lincoln Riley with the quarterback anymore. Uh, you know, I got to be honest. <laughs> if you're a top tier high school quarterback, not only should you just accept a scholarship from Lincoln Riley on the spot, you should be paying OU to learn under Lincoln Riley. Look at what this guy does with quarterbacks. I know it's early for Jalen Hurts, but goodness gracious, Unbelievable week one. Unfreaking believable week one for Jalen Hurts and OU at Houston or taking on Houston at home. Anyway, beside the point. I thought this season would see OU take a half a step back just because of who they had to replace on the offensive line and quarterback and whatnot. Um, and then also, you know, the defense was a work in progress. And I thought that, you know, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU – was going to get half a step better. I thought Texas was going to be in that mix. But I saw a TCU offense that if they can't figure out that quarterback situation, it's a 500 team. It's a bowl game at best. I mean, that's what that team is if they can't figure out that quarterback situation. I mentioned it the other day, but I am playing Max Duggan the rest of the way. I mean, unless the guy blows himself up, how do you play Alex Delton? Alex Delton is the definition of what Dennis Green once said. Well, that is one of my favorite all-time clips. I had to work it in any way I could. But, uh, you know, that's that's the deal with TCU. Uh, they got to figure out that quarterback position um, as soon as possible. And then I've got Iowa State there. I, I don't want to overreact. It's been a couple of days since the game. I've tried to settle down. And Matt Campbell has had some of these, you know, shaky openers before. His team's... If we learned anything, Matt Campbell's teams appear to really get a lot better as the season goes on, which is a great thing. But it's also like, man, Northern Iowa, that can't be happening. I'm sorry, that can't be happening like that. You're a Brock Purdy save fumble away from being 0-1 right now. So once again, this is not to overreact, but this is simply to share um, concerns that I have. And the fact is, like, I I could be very wrong in my preseason prediction. That was OU and Texas would be um, both very good. But I thought that teams like Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, and then maybe Tech and Oklahoma State could basically close that gap. And the gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 in the Big 12 would be smaller than it's been in quite some time. And at least with one week in the books, that does not appear to be the case. Now, speaking of Tier 1, Tier 2 in the Big 12, uh, we did our first power rankings. We release those every Monday morning on heartlandcollegesports.com, and it's an average of everyone on staff, myself, Derek Duke, Cam Brock, Matthew Poston's Dave Beal. 
we all get a ranking one through 10 and then we average them out and then I do the whole write up there. So I'm going to give you what we came out with um, one through 10 OU, Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, K State, Texas Tech at six, Iowa State seven, TCU eight, West Virginia nine, and Kansas at 10. So this is done on a week-to-week basis. It is not a rolling average from the standpoint of, well, Texas won last week. They lost this week. No, no, no. It's on a week-to-week basis. That's what makes it fun. It's not supposed to be, hey, if OU loses a horrible game in um, you know, October, they stay at number one because they've been undefeated. No, we do it week by week. So let me explain a couple of things. Some people were surprised we had Oklahoma State at number three. Oklahoma State got the only Power 5 win in the conference on the road with a redshirt freshman quarterback at 9.30 at night with, a, with a, you know, a quarterback getting his first start. That's more valuable, I'm sorry, than beating up an FCS team at home. That's why Oklahoma State is number three in the power rankings. It's, it's, it's not because we think Oklahoma State suddenly is going to finish in third place in the Big 12. I don't believe that. I don't think my colleagues believe that. It's because it's done on a week-by-week basis based on the team that they played, how that Big 12 team played, and that is it. That is the point of the power rankings. So let's not overreact to the fact that we had Oklahoma State at number three. It does not mean that we suddenly think that they are the third best team in the Big 12. I promise you that. For me, I had K-State at number four. We had them five as a group. I had them at four. Let me explain why. Um, I thought Kansas State had the best win of the teams playing FCS opponents. And by that, I mean they surprised me the most. They impressed me the most. Baylor rolled Stephen F. Austin to be expected. Texas Tech beat up on Montana State to be expected. Iowa State had its troubles. You know, TCU took care of business but didn't look great doing it on one side of the ball. West Virginia played the best FCS opponent. The second half was better than the first half. But still, you know, they averaged like 1.4 yards per carry against an FCS team. Even if it is the top FCS team in the country, that's concerning for Neil Brown and his staff. And then KU barely got by Indiana State, needed a late score to do it. But Kansas State's a team that I'm looking at and saying, okay, could you ask for a better transition and start for Chris Kleiman? 41 minutes time of possession, you you can't. It was just that good. And Nichols is a decent FCS team. So of those Big 12 teams that played FCS opponents, it was K-State with, I think, the biggest statement based on what was expected and how things played out and just also, you know, the joy I saw to Skylar Thompson – Goodness gracious. I mean, this is a uh, – it really does seem to be a match made in heaven. Uh, it's not that I'm predicting 10 wins for K-State. I'm not. But it does seem like a match made in heaven with Chris Kleiman and that coaching staff. So that's why I had K-State higher than my colleagues there at heartlandcollegesports.com in our uh, first Big 12 power rankings of the season. From there on down, we were all kind of on the same page. Baylor and Tech, you could flop them 1-2, or I should say – Five six six five, however you want to do it, and uh, you know from there, some people had Iowa State higher. I had them at eight. More people had them at seven. They come in at seven. TCU eight. West Virginia um, and Kansas were steadily nine and ten. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. 
Boy, do we have a lot to get to, and there's more next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Hey guys, Pete Mundo here, and now that we're actually in the college football season, it's here. Well, there's only one place to make those Big 12 bets, and that's mybookie.ag. I'm using them. I hope you will as well. It's the only place I'd recommend to my listeners. Use the promo code BIG12, that's one word, BIG12, at mybookie.ag for a 100% sign-up bonus with a minimum deposit of $45 and a maximum deposit of $1,000. And I guess I should point this out, BIG12 is BIG12. Don't spell out BIG12, just BIG12, one word. At mybookie, you bet, you win, and they pay. MyBookie lets you bet on which college coaches are going to get fired, who's going to make the playoff, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy, can OU do it again. You can bet on halftime lines, live odds, even the FBS versus the FCS games. It's all at MyBookie.ag, promo code BIG12, up to $1,000 in the first deposit, minimum deposit of $45. So MyBookie, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and the promo code BIG12, that's one word, BIG12. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. So as I was thinking back on the weekend that was in the Big 12 Conference, uh, I thought about the Kansas State Wildcats and Chris Kleiman and just what a difference a year can make week one of this year compared to week one of 2018. You remember a year ago, uh, if you're a K-State fan or even a Big 12 fan, it was a disaster in week one. By the way, I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Last year, week one, Kansas State needed two late scores in the fourth quarter to beat South Dakota. They lost the turnover battle 4-0. They had 13 penalties for over 100 yards. The team was inconsistent, and that was kind of the theme throughout the season. Fast forward exactly a year, week one of 2019. Chris Kleiman's the head coach. And, you know, Kleiman in many ways is like a modern-day Bill Snyder in the sense that look at what this team did. Look at what it wants to do. Played really good defense. It was efficient. 10 of 12 on third downs, scored on their first four drives. Um, they piled up 361 rushing yards, two penalties for 20 yards. Uh, that's basically a Bill Snatter coach team in its prime right there. And I'm not getting ahead of myself, so I'm not going to overreact to a uh, week one game against an FCS opponent. But it just kind of confirms what my gut is telling me, that Chris Kleiman is the best option to replace a guy like Bill Snyder. You know, I didn't think you were going to get a, or I did not think a guy like, say, Seth Luttrell was going to succeed, like a young, upcoming, more run-and-gun, air-raid-style offense, knows the state of Texas really well. Like, that didn't seem to me like the right fit to replace Bill Snyder with. What Chris Kleiman is doing, first off, he's been a head coach. He's a grown man. He's not, you know, a, a kid getting his, and I say kid, relative use of the term. Uh, these guys are older than me. But uh, from the standpoint of somebody who, you know, getting their first Power 5 job, ready to prove themselves, stand on their own two feet, that person would have been a disaster to replace Bill Snyder with. And I'm not calling out Seth Luttrell. I'm just, he's the first guy that came to mind. Head coach, North Texas, young guy, different offense. 
Chris Kleiman is the perfect guy. Won national championships. Doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Yes, it's at the FCS level, but it's the same game. It's football. He knows under-recruited guys. He knows the region. He understands the formula for success at Kansas State. He's not intimidated by the Bill Snyder name being on the stadium every day when he goes to work. Those things are not going to bother him. They may bother a young guy if he starts off 2-4 and four and goes, you know, 5-7 and seven in his first season. But Chris Kleiman's not going to be bothered by that. So that's a big deal for Kansas State. I mean, it's a huge deal for uh, for Coach Kleiman. And the fact that also he was quoted, I read this um, from our friends at Go Power Cat. He was quoted as saying about why he allows cameras in the locker room. Quote, we've got a great fan base. We have people that really want to be a part of these guys' story, these guys' journey in the right setting. I think it's a great thing and something for our fans and people to be a part of the journey that these guys um, are going on. I think it's pretty cool. Bill Snyder would have never allowed cameras in the locker room like this. So Chris Kleiman, what he's doing that I love is uh, he's not trying to change the formula of success at Kansas State. He's just trying to bring it into 2019. You know, the JUCO route got a little stale because when Bill Snyder started off with the JUCO route, nobody else was doing it. But now everybody is doing it, so he can't just go grab the top JUCO guys like he could 25 years ago. I like and I prefer the approach of climbing, and I'm not saying he's not going to go the JUCO route here and there, but I prefer the approach of bunch of three-star guys, under-recruited, underappreciated, and let's see if we can hit lightning in a bottle and some of those guys turn into you know really four- and five-star players. Now, Snyder has always ended up with better players than what he recruited based on the rankings, but... Um, I just I like the formula. I like what he's got going. He's got a top 50 class right now, sixth in the Big 12, I think it is, per 247 sports. So I'm not trying to overreact to one game, but I just really like uh, how this program looks right now under Chris Kleiman through the offseason and one week against a admittedly good FCS opponent. So you had four Big 12 coaching debuts. Let's rank them from best to worst. The four, of course, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, Neil Brown at West Virginia. You had Les Miles at Kansas. And then, of course, last but not least, you had Matt Wells at Texas Tech. In order of best to worst for new coaching debuts in the Big 12, I'm going to go Kleiman at number one. I think that's uh, fairly obvious why I just explained over the last couple of minutes. At number two, I'm going with Matt Wells at Texas Tech. And here's why. They blew the doors off Montana State. You know, our own Cam Brock at Big 12 Media Days asked Matt Wells about basically this program having no home field advantage over the last several years since Mike Leach, you know, got the boot. And how Jones AT&T Stadium, the atmosphere has not been what it was back in the Leach heyday. Now, of course, part of that's because, you know, when you're not winning like you were, that's naturally going to change and subside. But how do you get that back? Now, the end of that game, the stands were empty, but that's whatever. I, you're blowing out an FCS team by four or five scores, that's going to happen. More importantly, you just blew them out. It was a decent Montana State team in the FCS level. It was never close. Alan Bowman was a, and is a stud, and you did what you were supposed to do. No ifs, ands, or buts, no questions. Rip them to shreds and move on. All right? So there you have it, number two on the best to worst 
Big 12 coaching debuts. Number three, and every one of the new Big 12 coaches won, of course, because the conference went 10-0 and in week one. Number three, less miles at Kansas. Now, this may be controversial for some of you. Yes, it took them to, you know, the final three minutes to beat Indiana State, and it wasn't pretty at times. But if you're Kansas, winning a game, even if against an FCS opponent, is a huge success and a huge deal. There's no denying it. This team, this program, just needs to win a couple of games. That's it. If they had lost this game, even with Puka Williams out, I mean, it would have just, oh, man, it would have felt like a huge setback for the program, even though it would not have been. I mean, had Kansas lost that game, the program's not any different today than it was on Friday. But just morally, getting that support, giving the fans a win with your new head coach, with a character like Les Miles, you know, the fan base was kind of into it there in Lawrence. I was watching it here locally in Kansas City. They were into it, and good for them. So I, I just think that from an emotional standpoint, the Hassan defense pick six, Carter Stanley makes some good plays, Daylon Charlotte, as I mentioned as well, also had a couple of nice plays at wide receiver. To me, Les Miles comes in number three in that. And then last but not least, uh, Neil Brown at West Virginia. They got a win. The second half was much better. I do think West Virginia has a, a better in-game coach than Dana Holgerson was in Morgantown or is right now at Houston. But, I mean, come on, man. I know they kept it vanilla, and I know they have big Power 5 games coming up against Missouri and NC State, but you can't be averaging 1.4 yards a carry against James Madison. I don't care if they're the top FCS team in America. I, that, that cannot be happening. So Neil Brown's going to be fine. It doesn't change how I feel about Neil Brown running this program. I think if he hangs around, um, you know, West Virginia's going to be a hot place to be in a couple of years if Neil Brown sticks around and has the success that I think he will. But in terms of ranking the openers from best to worst, the coaching debuts, that's how it's got to go. Chris Kleiman at K-State, Matt Wells at Tech, uh, Les Miles at KU, and then I've got um, in the four spot Neil Brown at West Virginia. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, coming up, we preview week two here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, week two is upon us, and we appreciate you joining us. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. All right, I'm going to give you a couple of picks that I like against the spread ahead of week two. I will write this up for every Big 12 game up on heartlandcollegesports.com, posted probably most uh, Thursdays is when we'll have these up. But I'm going to give you here on the show uh, just a couple of spreads that I like. Now, first off, Tom Herman is a fantastic underdog. I mean, he is really good as an underdog. How good is Tom Herman as an underdog? Oh, how about 13-2-1 against the spread as an underdog as a head coach? I mean, you cannot get a more impressive number than that. At Texas, he's 8-2-1 as an underdog against the spread. People have bet this game up. I am seeing Texas as a six-and-a-half-point dog at home in some places. The general number I've seen is six. It opened up as a three-point game. So people are betting on LSU. You're putting a heavy hand on LSU. And if you don't think Herman 
is using this underdog status once again to his advantage. You're kidding yourself. The atmosphere is going to be electric in this game at DKR. Uh, you're going to have college game day there, of course, during the day. It is going to be unlike anything we have seen inside that stadium in a decade. I promise you that. Texas has the better quarterback at home in this game. And they're a nearly touchdown dog. Give me the Longhorns plus six every single day of the week in this one. I'd try to get on it while it's still in the six-point range. Now, i got to be honest. I, I, I think LSU is the favorite. I understand why they're the favorite. And I think they win by a field goal. The LSU new spread attack concerns me. I'm worried about the Texas running game being so thin. How that offensive line is going to handle LSU's front seven. But a six-point spread, I will take Texas every single time, and that's what I'm going to do in this weekend's game. So give me the Longhorns getting nearly a touchdown. I do think they come up a hair short, but I absolutely think that they can cover this spread, and I believe they will cover this spread on Saturday night at home. Also, on the uh, on the spread front, Texas Tech giving up 34 against UTEP. UTEP barely got by Houston Baptist last week, and they gave up 34 points to Houston Baptist. Uh, what is Alan Bowman going to do in this game? Uh, he is going to put up video game-like numbers, and this is a team that anytime you're playing under a new head coach, you kind of have that honeymoon phase, and I feel like Texas Tech is in that right now. They want to show things off for the home crowd. They want to look good. Uh, UTEP is dealing with some injuries, and guys that they didn't expect to be playing in key positions are playing in key positions. So um, Texas Tech is home, obviously. I am all over the Red Raiders covering this spread. It's a big one at 34. I, I've seen it at 34.5 in some places, but I feel pretty comfortable in Texas Tech rolling over UTEP, taking care of the minors, and um, going into the Arizona game next week feeling pretty good about themselves. So give me Texas Tech minus 34 against UTEP. And, you know, West Virginia on the road against Missouri. Here's the deal. I don't like West Virginia in this game, but the spread has been pushed up to two touchdowns. That's high. It opened up at 11. It's been all the way up to 14. I've seen 14 and a half. I think what's going on here is uh, people are seeing that West Virginia barely got by an FCS opponent last week, and I understand why you'd be critical of that, but you know I think they're looking into it a little bit too much. If you look at that second half, West Virginia played a lot better. They got things going. Now, I know people are also going to say, well, you know, Missouri lost at Wyoming last week. They're going to come back. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be focused. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's true. Or maybe Missouri's just not as good as we thought they were. You know, I mean, that's entirely possible, too. You think that Neil Brown had an easy week at practice for his guys after barely getting by James Madison? I don't think so. And they kept it pretty vanilla as well. So two touchdowns is just too much. I, I know West Virginia's in a rebuild. I understand that. Uh, but that is way too big of a number. I think that Missouri will win by 7 to 10 points. But 14 points? No, uh, Neil Brown is, uh, I would argue, the better of the two coaches in this matchup. And I think that Austin Kendall looked like a different guy in that second half. He's only going to get more comfortable. And I think this West Virginia team, I mentioned it either in the recap show or earlier in this show, 
could end up as one of, if not the most improved team in the Big 12 from week one to the end of the season. Uh, so I, I think that West Virginia can take care of business. The defensive line looked pretty good last week. The Stills brothers are solid. So let's see what they get going. West Virginia's got to get this running game going. But overall, I feel pretty good about uh, where things stand for the West Virginia Mountaineers and covering that two-touchdown spread against Missouri this weekend. Um, Other games are out there, of course. I'll be writing about those when it comes to the spread on heartlandcollegesports.com. Let me add this, though, as well. I saw this on an OU blog, and um, I, I didn't care for it, and I'll explain why. The question was proposed, how many people are going to be voting for LSU or rooting for LSU this weekend? And the answer should be none. None of you, nobody should be rooting for LSU if you're a Big 12 fan this weekend. Every Big 12 fan in America should be rooting for Texas. Because guess what? If Texas wins this game, They legitimately and immediately become a national championship contender, rightfully so. And guess what? That is good for when your team plays them. And then, of course, you root for your team to win. You know, I mean, absolutely, you root for your team to win. And you want to beat Texas. But you want to beat Texas while they're undefeated and ranked, you know, number five in the country, not after they get their clocks cleaned by LSU. Because then your win against Texas, if you can do it, looks better. I I never get this from some fans. Like, I understand Texas is its own entity, and we can get into the whole Big 12 SEC debate, how much that matters. I happen to think there's value to it. Some people disagree. But this is a no-brainer. You want to have the toughest strength of schedule that you can and win as many games as you can. That's what matters. And that's why whether you're an OU fan or a KU fan, You should be rooting for the Longhorns on Saturday night in DKR against LSU because what's good for Texas in the non-conference is good for you. I've often said every Big 12 fan should root for every Big 12 team to go 3-0. I mean, this conference uh, should be 30-0 when all is said and done. That's what would be best for the Big 12. So the same applies here. The same thing applies here to this Texas-LSU game. All right? So other storylines I'm watching here – Heading into uh, week two, K-State, can they keep that momentum going against Bowling Green? Do they take the foot off the pedal just a little bit uh, ahead of Mississippi State next week? Baylor against UTSA should be an easy win. Not sure there's a lot to learn there. How about Kansas? More than a touchdown favorite against Coastal Carolina. I'll have that game picked once again on the website later in the week. But my goodness. Uh, they go from a four-and-a-half-point dog against Indiana State to a, an eight-point favorite against Coastal Carolina. That seems like a bit of a stretch, to be honest. Oklahoma State, uh, 37-and-a-half-point favorites against McNeese State. Uh, Spencer Sanders, first game at home, FCS opponent, should be an easy win. And then OU, South Dakota, 38-point spread. Uh, Longhorns should have you know Tanner Mordecai in a quarterback by probably the um, – Third quarter, I'd say. I mean, late in the third quarter, middle of the third quarter. I'm not sure if Houston's any indication, but let's uh, let's keep tabs on that one. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the show. So for this week, I think the Big 12 is looking at a a six and two week. I mentioned I think Missouri beats West Virginia, but I think the Mountaineers cover the spread. 
Same thing in Texas LSU. The other games um, are all double-digit favorites. Well, KU's a touchdown. So I think um, the Big 12 will end up with a week of 6-2 and two overall. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for checking us out, guys. Please leave that rating, review, subscribe. Helps us enormously. I will get you that Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you send me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you soon.